Well, grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. What a uh, privilege and a joy it is for me to be with you today and to spend this time together in worship uh, along with the uh, invitation of your pastor as he spends uh, some time away for vacation with his family. And I am um, delighted that he has carved out that opportunity and that you all uh, have made the provisions for him to do so. Uh, I, as uh, Bruce mentioned, there is a an, um, rather extensive description uh, in the bulletin of a little bit of my faith journey. But in just uh, acknowledging some of that, I am an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church and have had the opportunity to serve Christ and the United Methodist Church in a variety of places and in a variety of roles, from small rural churches to, uh, if you will, downtown congregations, to even the opportunity to serve as a district superintendent, resourcing a number of churches in, um, in an area. Most recently, I served in Wilmington as the pastor at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church there, uh, just a few miles from the campus of UNCW, go Seahawks, um, as uh, it was a pleasure to be a part of that community. Before arriving in the summer of 2020 uh, to serve in our United Methodist Conference office uh, to serve as assistant to the bishop. And one of the ways in which I get to live out my calling in these recent days is to um, come alongside people who are discerning a call to ministry as they uh, try to listen for the voice of God and discern whether uh, they are to live into a full-time Christian vocation as a pastor or a minister in the United Methodist Church to walk along seminarians as they get clarity about what it is to serve in the United Methodist Church and how they might best prepare for that, as well as to be with pastors in various moments of transition and change, whether that's uh, moving towards retirement or um, other expressions of their calling. And so um, I consider it a joy and privilege to be able to support our clergy uh, throughout Eastern North Carolina. And I'm um, grateful for Kevin and for his leadership among you as he serves Christ uh, in this place. I am very much aware of how needed uh, vacations are for clergy right now. As many of you know and have experienced in your own life, uh, COVID has required a lot of us. And that has included clergy as well. I've seen over the last two years what we now are calling decision fatigue. Decision fatigue. Meaning during COVID, we've had major decisions to make often in an attempt to be uh, safe and caring for one another and for our community. Decisions about when and where will we meet and how will we meet and how might we honor God uh, while also taking care of our neighbor. And so it is that we move through this journey together, undergirded by God's grace and supported with, by one another. So thank you for uh, not only supporting your pastor, but the ways in which you are engaged in your community as you are part of uh, this connectional church of the United Methodist Church 
both locally and globally. Uh, we share in this partnership in the, in the gospel, uh, for which I am grateful. I understand that you have been on a journey for several weeks now as you have committed yourself corporately to read through the Bible and uh, to experience together really the, the journey from Genesis to Revelation and how commendable it is uh, to take on that uh, privilege and opportunity together. I will have to say that I told Kevin I would come before he told me where you would be in the Bible. And uh, just a moment of confession, had I known it was Deuteronomy, I, I might have um, uh, offered myself later on in the year. There are few times over the course of um, almost 30 years of ministry, there are few times, honestly, just confessional, that I've preached from the book of Deuteronomy. And yet I'm grateful for uh, these weeks of preparing because I've been reintroduced and re-energized by what God uh, has been revealing to me in recent days, and I trust what God has been revealing to you in the book of Deuteronomy. So I invite you to listen as we gather around God's word today, uh, to lean in to this rich narrative of our spiritual ancestors. We find ourselves uh, gathering today around Deuteronomy 10, uh, beginning with verse 12. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I am commanding you today for your own well-being. Although heaven and the heaven of the heavens belongs to the Lord your God, the earth with all that is in it, yet the Lord set his heart in love on your ancestors alone and chose you. Their descendants after them and all the peoples as it is today. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart and do not be stubborn any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. 
your ancestors went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we do thank you for your word. They are ancient words and they are relevant words. By the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us once more that we might receive with joy what it is that you have to say to us this day. For we ask it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I wonder if any among us today might uh, identify themselves as being nostalgic. Now, my hunch is that we are all that way to varying degrees. I, I personally have always thought of myself as someone who was leaning in and reaching for a promising future more so than one who lingers in the past. And yet, increasingly, I find myself reflecting fondly on days that have gone by. And increasingly, I find myself longing for people and experiences that left me years ago. Now, some might say, oh, it's just your age. It's your stage in life. Maybe. But who knows? Maybe it's an effect of, of COVID and its creation of this new reality that caught so many of us by surprise. It makes us long for days gone by. I, I wonder, what is your relationship with the past? Do you love looking through scrapbooks and photo albums I find there's so much more fun than kind of swiping through a friend's cell phone looking at the latest picture or uh, scanning through, scrolling through posts on social media. What's your relationship with the past? Do you, uh, do you delight in raising your voice and singing aloud and making a joyful noise when a familiar song is played? and it takes you back to your youth? Does your face light up when you cross paths with a longtime friend who uh, you're able to just kind of pick up the conversation right where you left it years ago? Memories. They are awakened and emotions are stirred when recalling what has been, whether pleasant or unpleasant. I find that the past, it sticks like gorilla glue and duct tape, clinging on to us and to our minds 
yet holding also the possibility of lessons learned, of insights gained, and new paths of God's discoveries. Well, today in our reading and the reading that you've been about in recent days, we interact with the book of Deuteronomy and we discover Israel reminiscing, recalling, if you will, who God is and what God has done. It feels somewhat like we're at a family reunion. I can picture in my mind's eye the the youngest have gathered around Uncle Moses. And here he is retelling the generational stories, the stories heard so many times that the listeners can almost recite the narrative themselves told in earlier days and written in previous books of the Old Testament are the recollections of ancestors. They recall the stories of hard days, the days of horrible plagues, frogs and boils and locusts, just to name a few. They were challenging more challenging than walking to school barefoot in the snow, uphill both ways. The challenges are passed down from generation. The stories are told, but also are the thrills. There was the parting of the sea, a way opening that there seemed to be no way. And who could forget the provisions of quail and bread from heaven to sustain them day after day after day. The plot is thick and captivating to a point. Amidst the intriguing and astounding, there seems to be part of the narrative that the young tend to tune out because it seems mundane or boring. Someone casually overhearing the narrative or or swiftly skimming through the written words may mistaken the, the litany as Moses reciting a book of law. And to some degree, he is. The word Deuteronomy, as you may have learned, literally means second law. This fifth book of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy has been uh, referred to as an authoritative repetition of the law God gave Moses on Mount Sinai following the exodus from Egypt. A large central section of Deuteronomy describes in details, if you will, a wide range of do's and don'ts. It incorporates all areas of life from economics and religious observances to family life and leadership. It addresses things like food and property, justice and warfare. Now, a shallow encounter with Deuteronomy will inevitably leave one's ears (laughs) overwhelmed. 
and one's eyes may begin to glaze. Leading us to ask that burning question, what is the point of all these laws? Well, the laws, if you will, outline what it looks like when the children of God are at our best. You see, at our best, we live a life in which there are no other gods. We honor God above everyone and everything else. We do not take the Lord's name in vain. At our best, we honor the Sabbath, keeping it holy. We respect our mother and father and our husband or wife. At our best, we honor life and do not murder. We do not bear false witness or covet. We do not lie or envy. We keep our promises and we honor our vows. Now I want to invite us to conduct a very quick assessment of ourselves in light of these laws. Over the past week, uh, how many days did you successfully adhere to all of God's commands? Now, you might need some time to uh, assess yourself, but I, I can do my assessment pretty quickly. <laughs> it doesn't take that long. Because the truth is, I failed daily on multiple levels. Now, I, I know that Pastor Kevin is leading you towards perfection, but I'm going to suspect that I'm not alone in my shortcomings. The law reveals our sin before a holy God, reminding us that we are not perfect. We fall short of walking in God's ways and loving and serving God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and keeping the commandments of God. They remind us that we fail at executing justice for the poor and, and the vulnerable. It reminds us that we struggle to love some of our own family members, much less a stranger. We are reminded that some experience us as hard-hearted, lacking empathy and hesitant to give. The law serves in many ways as a mirror held up in front of us, illuminating our blemishes and our flaws. And for that reason, we often run away or, or choose not to gaze very long. The law brings a clear vision of who we are. But the good news is that the law also brings a clear vision of who God is. Because you see, when we realize that we cannot by our own might and strength fully be all, all that God wants us to be, then we find freedom. Because we realize that God does not love us for what we can do. God does not bless us because of how good we are. 
God loves us and abides with us through the good and the bad, through the wilderness and the promised land, through the darkest of valleys and the highest of hills. Yes, God is with us, not because of who we are, but because of who God is and who we are to God, God's beloved children wayward and wandering as we can often be. You see, the law reminds us that we cannot save ourselves. It is only by faith and through grace, God's grace, that we are forgiven and placed in a right relationship with God. It's in hearing the laws again that the Israelites gain a deeper appreciation from where they have come and with whom they have traveled. We meet them in a place where they are poised to enter the promised land. But they enter at this moment with grateful hearts, with a renewed awareness of God's abounding grace. And this renewed awareness of God's redeeming love, it frees them, it liberates them for joyful obedience. We too are liberated to live and love and serve in ways that honor God and love our neighbor. To the amazement of some, the law is not a shackle we wear or a cell in which we live. Oh no, the law, it opens up the prison doors. It invites us to walk life's long and winding road with God, aware of our great need for the Almighty. We strive to be our best, and yet we embrace God's provisions to fill the gap, to offer forgiveness to bring redemption. We embrace God's provision and gratefully live in obedience in God's commands. This is the purpose of the law, not to bind us or weigh us down, but to help us see who we can be with the grace of God, that we might have hearts of compassion that we can be people on a mission to make disciples, that we can be engaged in ministry that transforms lives and brings others to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, not of our own doing, but because of this redeeming love of the God who walks with us in the good days and the difficult days, and the days that fall somewhere in between. The God who walks with us when we are at our best and when we have been at our worst. This is the good news of a God who loves us. To give us laws that might inspire us to be our best and that brings awareness 
of how much we need God. May we embrace God's provisions and gratefully live in obedience in God's commands. May it be so for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.